Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word this morning. I desire, I hunger to be filled with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit of God. I thank you, Lord, for the promise that you said you would fill him who is thirsty. And you'll pour the floods upon the dry ground. Lord, I hunger for the presence of the Holy Spirit. I have no desire to share an outline or just give some thoughts, but to preach a truth that would affect, that would influence our lives in such a way we as a local church and individual Christians would influence our community and our state for you. I pray that you'd bless. May our attention be given on purpose, not just to hear, but to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm preaching this morning on the subject simply, the local church. In our lifetime, there have been many organizations, movements, conservative activists that have worked to try to keep America on the right track and to keep America from self-destruction. In the last 20 years, there have been many radio programs, television programs, political action committees, educational organizations, church-based ministries, conservative organizations that have been started by the scores. Many of them have made a difference in our nation. And they've accomplished a great work. Many of them, I and we, have supported. We've supported them financially. We've supported them morally. Many of them, we've even volunteered time to help the purpose of their organization. Those that you and I would be a part of would be those that would be pro-life, pro-family, pro-marriage, pro-God, pro-gun, yep. pro-America and many other good and right things. We've worked together to help elect conservative representatives. We've walked precincts, manned phone banks. We've helped in uh, registering people to vote. We work locally in the state level and the federal level to see conservative judges placed in the judicial branch and all of that. Brother Harding here this morning has a uh, organization called Mission to America. It's under the authority of the local church, of Woodlawn Baptist Church in Bowie, Maryland, and the Lord has used it in a great way. I'm thankful for all of these, but hear me well. I have a concern this morning that many have permitted these various organizations to replace the work, the importance, and the power of the local church. Rather than keeping the work of the local church in place and in force in our nation, we've taken our time from the local church and have given that to various organizations. And understand this morning, I am for any organization that's pro-life and pro-God and pro-family, pro-America. I'm for that. The purpose of the message this morning is to not in any way be negative toward those. I am thankful for those. But I'm telling you, it's a major mistake when we overlook 
the work and the power and the possibility of the local church. Were it not for the local church, America would not be where it is today. I contend this morning that the most powerful force, the most powerful organization, the most powerful influence our nation has ever seen displayed or been influenced by is the local New Testament church. In fact, I believe there needs to be a revival of the work of the local church in America. I could take the next 30 minutes and talk about these four things. I won't. I'll state them and go on with the message, but we need to be reminded and revived in understanding the purpose of the local church. We need to understand the power of the local church. We need to understand the potential of the local church, and we need to be reminded of the place of the local church in the nation and in our world. Some 2,000 years ago, what we are sitting in today, a local New Testament church was founded personally by the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now gates do not charge, gates protect an area. And what Jesus was saying is there is no gate there is no fence, there is no border that can stop the advancement of the local church that's doing what God has designed the church to do. He said, and the gates of hell. He didn't say the gates of a mansion. He didn't say the gates of a government. He didn't say the gates of a border. He said the very gates of hell could not prevent the work of the local church. It was founded by the Lord Jesus. It also was promised perpetuity by the power of God. He said nothing can stop the church. There have been many good organizations that have come and gone. I heard recently, and I don't know any of the details about it, but that even the NRA is bankrupt or filing bankruptcy or not doing well financially. Many good organizations come and go. Ah, but dear friend, the church that Jesus started is still strong and alive and well in our world today. It's truth, the truth of the local church is the book that we hold in our hands today. We hold the word of God which is unchanging. As the Bible says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It is inerrant, it is infallible, it is impeccable. It is the eternal word of God. The local church has changed the cultures, cultures as strong and as mighty as the Roman Empire itself. And while the Roman Empire rose and fall and fell, the church still stands today. The church has withstood the attacks of many enemies and like nothing else, and it stands firm today. Church members have been tortured and even martyred, maligned, and yet the church marches on. The Bible has been the subject of attack and hatred, and yet it is still the greatest book on earth 
uh, today. Its assembly has been the subject of ridicule, control, hatred, and regulation. And though there have been times it has had to meet in private places, in outside elements, and scattered abroad, it has met day after day and week after week to bring honor and glory to the Savior, honor and glory to God the Father, that one day we will be a part of the coronation day when he is crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's assembly, it's assembly, sometimes it's in private, and yet the church in China, though they do not meet publicly, they meet powerfully, and they continue to do the work of the local church, and that is winning people to Christ and making disciples of Christ, even in communist China. And certainly, if the gates of hell cannot stop the local church, the communism of a, uh, of a communist government cannot stop the power of the local church. It's songs. The music of the church carry the most powerful message that's ever been sung. Its songs are sung by children and adults alike. Its songs have been sung by both the bond and the free, by the beggar and the wealthy, by the educated and the ignorant, by those that could read music and perform it, and those that could only sing from their memory. We sing the songs of praise and worship in church, under a tent, in a nursing home, in a jail cell, or anywhere two or three are gathered together. Our songs always sing about the same person. We always sing about the same place and we sing about the same power. The person that we sing about is the Lord Jesus Christ. The place that we sing about is our eternal home called heaven. And the power that we sing about is the gospel of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. While many have lived for their people and many have loved their people and many have died for their people, only Christ arose from the grave and lives triumphantly at the right hand of the Father today. No wonder when we sing, we sing with joy. No wonder when we sing, uh, we sing with gladness for we sing about one who can never get sick, who can never get feeble, but his power is uh, eternal. I believe this morning that if the people of the local New Testament church in America would become familiar with again and get engaged again in the work of the local church as the Lord Jesus has explained and commissioned, we could see a marvelous awakening in our nation today. Every week, every week, I get some kind of a letter, email, or telephone call asking me to be a part of some organization. Now, I'm not against those. I was asked a year or so ago if I would be a part of a national prayer organization. I said, I'm already a part of one. And they said, but you could become the leader of one. I said, I already lead a prayer ministry already. And they said, but we have as many as 20 and 25 people. I said, oh, the prayer program that I'm a part of has hundreds and even thousands. And we meet every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock and have been for hundreds of 
five years and gathering at the church house. Can I tell you something? We've forgotten about the great power. We've forgotten about the purpose and the potential of the local New Testament church. And right here this morning, you and I are a part of something that could change the nation. This old country needs more than a revival. This old country needs a revolution. This country needs a revolution. It needs an awakening. We need to understand, wait just a minute, wait a minute. Our children are not given to us to give to the government to educate and for them to tell them what they want to know. I got a picture this week of a school uh, here in Kentucky getting ready to open that's been closed and the sign says, be sure to observe social distancing in the restroom and they have three pictures. They have a picture of a man and a picture of a woman. You know what those pictures look like? The man has pants on, the woman has a dress on. You know what they look like? Those pictures. The third picture has half a dress and half a man. It's a transgender restroom for grade school in our state. Now, if we let our children be taught by that day after day after day, that's all they hear. That's all. They don't know what you and I have experienced. They don't, they don't understand what you and I have learned. They have not been taught what you and I have been taught. They have not been through wars and the difficulties that America has gone through. They don't understand. And if that's all they hear every day, they think that's normal. They think that that's right. And then all of a sudden when we tell them different, they say, well, there's something wrong with dad. He's old-fashioned. Dad may be right. And if dad's been ta taught and trained that book right there, he is right. Ah, oh, but listen, if we would get back to understanding the power and the potential of the local church, we could see a revolution where folks would say, I'm not going to let anybody educate my children. That's the responsibility of mom and dad to make sure that they receive a good and godly and Christian education. I'd rather my children be ignorant as perverted. I'd rather them be uneducated as trained in vulgarity. Oh, listen to me, dear friend, and the power of the local church. What is the power of the local church? It's that old book right there. I cannot help but to think in almost every day of that statement of Horace Greeley, and I say it often. He said this, the editor of the New York Times in the 1850s, he said, it is impossible to enslave a Bible-reading people. And the power of the church is to preach that old book right there. Preach not just the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection, but that all men have sinned and need a Savior. All men to be, need to be born again. That the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these according to Romans chapter 7 and Galatians chapter 5. And that's all a man can do unless he's reborn, unless he's regained, unless he's regenerated, unless he's made a new creature in Christ. And when he's made a new creature in Christ, the Holy Spirit of God moves him. He's a new creature and old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's the power of the word of God that needs to be preached in our churches. I tell the story often in an opening monologue and I, I, I say it just joking. I tell about the preacher that's, been, uh, that's out visiting his absentees and he says to a fellow, I've missed you in church the last few weeks. And the fellow says, well, it's just been raining and raining and raining. And the preacher said, well, it's always dry at the church. And the fellow said, yes, and that's another reason I haven't been coming. 
Because churches are dead and dry and just going through a, 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 a motions uh, just so they can check off their list. I went to church today. Church is not about just a meeting and saying I went to church. It's about the word of God being preached and, uh, and preached in power in a way that affects our thinking, that affects our behavior, that affects the way we live our lives. The preaching of the word of God, then the teaching of the word of God in Sunday school. Every boy and every girl, every teenager, every man and woman needs to every week in a Sunday school class hear the word of God taught in some manner, in some way. We heard this morning a very good lesson from Brother Harding as he, and see if I can remember it from memory here. He said, uh, I don't have time. I'm going to re-preach his sermon. Not today anyway. Here's the lesson he taught this morning. He said, we need to, to declare that God is determined to know nothing except what's valuable, and that's the gospel of Christ, and live our lives in demonstration of the Holy Spirit. That's what we learned in Sunday school. See, that affects the way I live this week. That's the, that, that affects the way I think. That affects the way I approach people. That affects the way that I communicate with others and all the power of Sunday school to teach the Word of God. Uh, Sunday school teachers, you're not entertainers for children just to enjoy uh, being together. Though it's wonderful when you can accomplish that, but the purpose is to take a truth of the Word of God and teach the Bible to children. Sunday school, the power of Sunday school, the power of the pulpit in preaching the word of God. I believe preaching is taking truth and setting it on fire so that men and women can see it and they can understand it. We read in our text this morning in Acts chapter 2 about the day of Pentecost and what an amazing day it was on that day when the Holy Spirit had been given and the church had been empowered. There were 3,000 from across the world, the known world of that day. They were assembled and on that day of Pentecost as Peter preached of the power of Jesus Christ to save men and to change men. 3,000 were saved and followed the Lord in believers' baptism. They then went to their home countries. They told their brothers and their sisters and their mothers and fathers and friends, hey, I went down uh, to Jerusalem and I heard Peter preach and oh, what a sermon it was. He told me I was a sinner. He told me I was going to hell, but that God uh, gave his son to die on the cross and save me. I don't have to go to hell. And I prayed and accepted Christ as my Savior. Can I tell you something? Uh, it's a good thing when we encourage folks to pray. We encourage folks to vote. We encourage folks to be involved. Oh, but the power of the church is to take the gospel to everybody and let them know Jesus came to save uh, that which is lost. 3,000. 3,000 on that day. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, we find several wonderful things about this church. And I'm not reading this today to say that was a good church. I'm reading this today to say this is what we're supposed to be. This is what we're supposed to do. This is how we're supposed to behave. I learned from this passage of Scripture that they were united. Now understand something. They're not united for unity's sake. They're united for truth's sake. Folks preach messages on unity. We ought to all just get along. Believe what you want to believe, but we ought to all just get along. That's not in the Bible. Unity is a result of us believing the same truth. 
following the same person, believing the same book. That's why we're here today, because we believe the Bible. And the Bible says in verses 44, 5 and 6, that they came together. They were in unity. They were united in truth. They were in one accord. They were of one heart and of one soul. They stood with one another, not against one another, and they presented a united front to the hostile world in which they lived. And if they can do that, you and I can do that as we leave today and go out and stand on the unity of the truth. We'll not all agree on politics. We'll not all agree on policy. But do we not all agree that all men are sinners in need of a Savior? Do we not all agree that Jesus Christ is the one and only Savior of the world? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's the only truth that's needed to change this entire world today, to change communities and states and nations, is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet we'll go away and we'll talk about what we agree with and what we don't agree with. Let's, uh, uh, let's uh, share the truth of the gospel that they, we all understand. We find this is a committed church. They went to church every day. Church controlled their life, everything they did. Daily they opened the Bible and studied it. Daily they gave the gospel. Daily folks were added to the church. That's committed. Some folks tell God, boy, you got a good one when you got me. I go to church every Sunday. Why, that's just, that, that's, not, that's not reasonable service. That, that's like saying to a woman, boy, you got a really good one when you got me. I stay at home most every night of the week. These gals getting married and these, these folks getting married, you know what they expect? They expect he's going to work and bring home a paycheck every Friday. They expect he's going to take care of every need and together they're going to build a family and a marriage and that's the way it's supposed to be. Christianity is not part-time living. Christianity is giving our life for the service of God. I'm telling you this morning, greater than any organization that's ever been formed or ever will be formed is the local New Testament church. I find that the church was powerful in this passage of scriptures. Verse 47 said that they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. They enjoyed the power of God. They witnessed miraculous conversions. One story of 3,000 saved, another 5,000 saved by the grace of God and brought into their number. They witnessed miracles and manifestations of the power of God. You say, but preacher, that was then. What's different? Just the date. Our God is the same. Our Bible is the same. God's promises are the same today. It was a church of power. By the way, they were a militant church. They carried the gospel to every person they met. Everybody got the gospel. Peter and John shared the gospel. They, they found a man outside the gate of the place where folks went to worship. He asked for money. Peter and John were Baptists. They said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have give I unto thee. They gave him the gospel. Then they said, take up thy bed and walk. And he did. Everywhere they went, they gave the gospel. Why? Uh, Paul later would be in court 
And the question would be, have you been preaching in Jesus' name? And Paul's answer would be a sermon in the name of Christ. They didn't need outside evidence. He gave the judge all the evidence he needed in his own testimony. When Paul went into town, he didn't ask about the best western. He said, what kind of jailer do you folks have? That's where he ended up. The church wasn't worried about losing tax-exempt status. They were concerned about losing their head. We back down today for fear, and somebody will say, well, you'll lose tax-exempt status. And I've been told that so many times. If I had a nickel for every time I've been told you're going to lose tax-exempt status, I'd use it to pay my taxes this year. They were a militant church. I love this. They were a feared church. They were hated by the world, but they were feared. They heard the story that Ananias and Sapphira lied. They lied to God and fear fell on the people because of the power of God. They fell dead. The Bible says in Acts 5.13, Of the rest durst no man join himself, but to them the church was feared because of the power of God. Now look at me. If we today, all of us, I'm not talking about the best Christians. I'm talking about every Christian. If we today would get determined again in the work of the local church, this church could make a great difference in our state and in our nation. Now think of it. Every person can have a part into it. Are, are, Are you listening to me? We can make a difference. If we said, God, we want you to bless our church as you did the church at Jerusalem, as you did the church in Antioch, as you did in the seven churches listed of Asia Minor in the book of Revelation, as you did these churches, God, we want you to bless us. Here's what we ought to do. Every person this week ought to be a witness of the gospel of Christ. Not everybody you and I meet is born again. We need to be a witness. You say, preacher, I'm afraid I don't know how to witness. That's why these gospel tracts are made so simple. Four things you need to know from the word of God to know for sure you're going to heaven. I can't answer every question about the Bible today. My wife and I had a discussion yesterday, a Bible discussion, and, 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 and we talked about some questions that have been asked us, difficult questions I don't know the answer to. That's why I was asking her. She said, I don't know the answer either. We don't know all the answers, but I know how to get to heaven. I know how to be born again. I know how to live a Christian life. Listen, all of us ought to be involved. It doesn't matter if you've been saved a week. It doesn't matter if you've been saved 50 years. It doesn't matter if you're a member in good standing or if you're visiting today. Everybody ought to determine, I'm going to be a witness for Christ this week. Take gospel tracts wherever you go. Give them to folks. If you can't speak to them about the gospel, give them the track and ask them to read it later. I'm telling you the power of the church is the most powerful, uh, most powerful organization. If we truly want America to come back to God, we'll reach it through the local church. Amen. Second of all, when folks are saved, they need to follow the Lord in believers' baptism. That's what the Bible says very simply here. They that gladly received his word were baptized. What is baptism? Baptism is a public profession of where your faith is. 
Your faith is in the death of Christ, pictured by standing in the water that crosses you, pictured by the burial, the death of Christ. Ah, but not only that, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I believe that he died, was buried, and rose again. That's why heaven is my home. And baptism is a public profession of that. Number three, we want to bring everyone we can to Sunday school to hear the word of God taught. I think of this so often. Let me, let me share this illustration quickly. Young Francisco Arache came from Mexico to visit his cousins here that had been saved in our church. He heard, now he was saved, he heard Brother Smith say this very simply, have you ever considered giving your life to serve God? You know what he did? He took the question serious and he said, no, I've never thought about that. He decided that day he was going to give his life to serve God. So he went to Bible college. He was, he was here legal. He came three years. After three years, they would not allow him to return. He called me. He said, preacher, they won't allow me to come back to America to finish. What should I do? I said, take what you've learned and start a church. Now, I want you to hear this. They had feeding of the 5,000 one day in their city. And those folks put together meals, like, like just a small meal, sandwich and something, just a small meal. They put together thousands of them. He went to the middle of his city. They advertised it everywhere. He sent me pictures. A sea of people came. They gave out those thousands of, of, of meals. He preached the gospel. Many hundreds raised their hand and said, yes, I received Christ as Savior. Now, friend, you can't tell me of an organization that's more powerful, that has more influence and potential than anything other than the local New Testament church. And it was one lesson about the will of God and what one person can do to make a difference for the cause of Christ. Go ahead and stand. I'm not finished, but you'll threaten me if you stand up. I've got to stop. Here's where I'm going to finish. If everybody would decide, I'm going to make at least one disciple for the Lord this year. Now think about it. Make one, what is making a disciple? That's winning someone to Christ, getting them to trust Christ as Savior. They follow the Lord in believer's baptism. They learn the truths of the Word of God to the place that they in turn tell somebody else about Christ. That's what a disciple is. You understand church is not seeing how many followers we can get to come. If it was, I wouldn't preach half the sermons I do because they run folks off faster than we can get them in. Because you know what? Truth is offensive. We're not here to make a following. The purpose of the church is to make disciples. You can do it. We can do it. If there's any hope for America, it is through the work the local New Testament church. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Forty-some churches across the state in our nation and others being planted now came from people that once sat in these very seats, once were a part of this church, some children, toddlers, now adults. They're leading a church. They're building churches on the mission field. The only hope for our nation 
is the work of the church. If you're here today and you've never received Christ as Savior, you ought to trust Him today. If you've been saved and not baptized, you ought to be obedient to Christ today. There are folks in your family, friends, neighbors that need to be saved. You ought to pray for them today. Perhaps get on your knees at this altar and say, Lord, save my neighbors, save my friends. Help me to be a soul winner. Heavenly Father, bless our invitation, I pray. Thank you, Lord, for the founding of the church and the promise of perpetuity and the power, the potential of the church. I pray today, Lord, we would see its importance and we would give of our time and even sacrifice to see its work continue. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.